Mop saying about these trades that happened. Of course, we got to talk about James. We got to talk about Ben. We got to talk about a couple of these trades. But of course, we are joined, big three. One of our other members, y'all might see him on the next episode. He was currently, you know, with the trade deadline happening. He had to go to another city real quick. Got traded. So we only got big three on. <laughs> we got big three on tonight. You feel me in. <laughs> we ready. We ready. <laughs> Move operator Davenport. How you doing tonight? I'm doing all right. I'd be better if my team made some moves today to talk about, but you know, it is what it is. Yo, by the way, that was the song of the summer coming up. That was by Freak the Zeke. Zeke the Freak. It's it's on. Apple Music right now to listen to y'all. Greg Hot Takes sends Mir. How are you doing tonight? Y'all got rid of James Harden. How are you doing tonight? I'll put this simply. I'm doing better than Miles is tonight. <laughs> That's what I'll say. <laughs> we made it. We made a move. We need. We need to do it. We need to do it, man. I'm. I'm ready to talk about this, yo. I've. I've been. I've been fuming over the James Harden situation for weeks. So I'm. I'm ready to get into this, bro. Like. Yeah, yeah. Let's do this, man. We're going to break it down, right? So Brooklyn, we got Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, two first-round picks. And we know that 76ers got James Harden. They got Paul Millsap. What's your initial thoughts when this happened? What grade do you give this trade? Who's the winners? Who's the losers in this trade when we talk about this next 76ers trade? It's a, it's a lot of ways we can go with this, but like y'all just pick it up wherever y'all want to start at because it's it's a lot of ways you can go with this one. I I feel like the Nets made out pretty well in this trade, a little more than in Philly. I mean, they got James Harden, which of course that that counts for a lot, but like Ben Simmons, that's a very good defensive guard, six ten guy who can handle the rock and and make plays out there. And then you get Drummond and another another shooter in Seth Curry, plus two first-round picks. So I don't think that the Nets should be upset about having to trade James Harden. Like, it just seemed inevitable that at some point he was going to leave. 
in the off season, most likely. So now you're getting something for him. And I think you have Ben Simmons for another three years and you can trade him if you want, if this doesn't work, but at least you don't have to deal with the drama of James Harden and making a run at this, this championship this year. Cause you still have KD, you got Kyrie and we'll see if he can play in more games now that the, the mask mandate has been lifted in New York. But I think that both parties are going to be happy. Like for, for Philly, he was just dead weight on this team. Ben Simmons, he hasn't played all season. So now you get an extra guard who can actually handle, make plays, and you're capitalizing on Joel Embiid's, you know, career year that he's having. So they needed to make this move. Both teams needed to make a move. They did. And, I mean, now we'll see who, who benefits more from it. So I don't know if my take on this is going to be predictable or not. But if, I, if I'm just, just being real, right, the Nets are the clear winners in this trade, in my opinion. I, look, you get James Harden in Philly. You pair him up with Embiid. In concept and in theory, two MVP candidates together it makes a lot of sense, right? It, it works. Cool. I do think James will go out there and play an inspired, inspired brand of basketball. He suddenly his hamstring won't hurt anymore. He'll be he'll be better. He'll be all he'll be it's gonna be a miracle, right? He'll, he can go to church about it and talk about it with his with his group. You know, the Holy Ghost touched him. Great. He'll be healthy again. He'll play good basketball there. My thing is, I I'm more I'm more convinced that I have the more trustworthy commodity in Ben Simmons than you do in James Harden. That, if, they, if you want to talk about this trade, let's talk about it from that angle. Because if we're talking about it from assets, the Nets won. The Nets got two first rounders, I believe. One's unprotected, the other, and they can roll it over. You can roll it three years, I believe it is. And the other one, I think, is picks is protected one through eight, is what it is. Yo, the Sixers won't be that bad. They're never going to be picking one through eight, so they're going to have that first round pick. This is the reality. They're gonna have, they have two, and the Nets have assets now that they can take and they can trade to another team to get another star. So if Brad Bill becomes available, all right, cool. Let's go target Brad Bill, right? Like guys like that become they can make moves. So Nets have flexibility now in a way that they didn't have before this trade, right? Cool, whatever. That's an angle we covered. The, the angle we have to cover about who wins this trade long term is do you, who do you trust more as an asset, Ben Simmons or James Harden in terms of availability? in terms of being able to like trust them and to not destroy your team culture, who is it going to be? If you ask me, I think the answer to that question is easily Ben Simmons. Let's go over the track record, shall we? Harden yep. has left Chris Paul. He's left Russell Westbrook. He's left KD and Kyrie now, right? Yo, like this guy always, there's always something wrong. With Chris Paul, they almost deep throw the Warriors and they could have won a championship that year. And then the next year, he wants him up out of there to trade for Russell Westbrook. And the Russell Westbrook comes over, and it doesn't work then, too. And he, do, and he wants to dump him off at, at, at the same time. Like, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about a guy who you can't trust. He's going to come into your team, and he's going to flip that thing upside down completely. And it just throws off the whole camaraderie of the team completely. I mean, that's, that's what we're dealing with here with James Harden. James Harden has a track record now. This is who he is. When things get hard, he wants to leave. He quit on the Nets midseason. You think about it. Midseason. He has an opportunity to leave. He can leave. This summer, he quits on the mid-season, right? Doesn't see it through and goes to Philly, where I would argue that he never he, his chances to win a championship are worse than it would have been playing with the Nets. And sticking it out, if you get a healthy KD and the, the mass mandates lifted in New York and Kyrie's back full-time, th when those three play together, they shred everybody up. That It really was scary hours. It's real. 
So the idea that all of a sudden, you know, you just dip out middle of the season and all of a sudden none of that stuff matters is crazy to me. So patience Ben Simmons, we said patience is a virtue. He could have waited. Yeah. Yeah. He could have waited. I mean, he absolutely could have waited it out and gone to Philly in the summer and saw and just waited and saw if he could win a championship with this group, which is very possible, but it goes to show you that winning is not his main priority. James Harden has never made decisions solely based to w- on winning championships. It's never just been about that. James Harden gets a thrill out of going into arenas, getting 50 points. He gets a thrill out of going into arenas and having the ball in his hand and dribbling the, the ball for the most of the shot clock and kicking out the shooters. He likes it being operated around him. There are more, more he made every decision, practice schedule, what they ate, what time they flew into uh, uh, to away games and flew back home. All of that was based around James Harden and Houston. That's the reality. He got used to a certain lifestyle being that guy, being the only guy. And when it wasn't the case in Brooklyn, and you're already, and then of course you add onto it that Kyrie's not playing every game by choice, and you add onto it the fact that KD's been in and out. It's just it's just easy for him to turn his back on the situation and walk away. Like, all right, cool, I'll go be the man. I mean, he knows he's not gonna. He may not win a championship this year. He knows that. He he knows he he threw away a better opportunity. He knows that. Let me ask y'all this, and we talked about it in the chat. Our listeners, our viewers, when they watch this, when we look at the careers, and you just mentioned it, James Harden was very comfortable and got to a lifestyle of being a man, everything being centered around him, right? Yeah. Is that not one and the same with what Russell Westbrook is? Russell Westbrook used to being the man, and we're not talking about the talent now. Obviously, right, right, right. Same in the talent wise, but Westbrook. I mean, by all accounts, doesn't he seem more comfortable and will want to be back to playing OKC type of basketball? Same with Harden. Everybody knows he probably would like to go back to playing Houston basketball where it's revolved around him. I think when you look at the media, when you look at what has been said about the importance of winning, that pressured him into going to Brooklyn, that pressured Russ to go into LA because they know once they retire, that ring conversation is going to follow them for their whole career if they don't get a ring. And I mentioned this in the chat. You can't tell me for one second. As reverend, as praised, as worshipped, and he shouldn't be, but as worshipped as Kobe Bryant was, for Kobe to tell um, the interview on national TV, I like James Harden, I like his game, but he'll never win a championship that way. I think that touched a little part of James Harden's soul. A yeah. little bit, in fact, in his mindset and his thinking of, hey, I got to win a ring. If he, he probably would have liked to stay in Houston. Same thing with, okay, with Russ. He would have been perfectly fine staying in OKC, getting his triple doubles, might retire with 400 triple doubles. Yeah, I, I think there's, you're making a great point. You're making a great point. That's, that's real. These guys make this, these guys are all about their stats. These guys are not primarily about winning basketball games. It's never been about them for either Russell or Harden, and they are similar in that way. And they'll be remembered similarly in that way. Not for the talent level, but because of, they don't make decisions based on winning. It is not about winning. It is not the same thing as LeBron going to, you know, going to a Miami the first time around or going back to Cleveland. Those moves were about winning. Is he was playing chess. That's what this was. That this is not the same thing. This is not the same thing. And, and to my point before about the more reliable asset, and that's what's going to decide this trade, 
Ben Simmons was healthy. He played outside of maybe one season. He had an injury, I believe. I think it was his rookie year. He got hurt. He's been available. He's one of the guy, better, best defenders in basketball. He's an all-star. He's an accomplished player. The only thing we talk about is he has a huge wart in his game. He doesn't shoot the ball. But, yo, he's available. He's there. He was an asset. Things only went left when he felt like his team didn't support him anymore. It wasn't like he just quit on them for no apparent reason. It wasn't like he made himself unavailable for, for a reason that wasn't valid. I think that him not feeling validated in that situation, to, to some extent, is fair. I, I, under, I understand it. Would I have done what he did? No, I would have played. I think a lot of people would have played it to play through it, but that's not where he was at. That's fine. I don't think that I have to worry about him coming in and blowing up my team. That's not, I don't think that's who Ben Simmons is. Ben Simmons is going to come here. He's going to be a professional and we're going to, we're going to, this thing's going to operate at a high level. That's the bottom line. So if you ask me who, who won the trade, the Nets also get a big and Drummond who's going to get them rebound help on the boards. A lot of reasons why they lose these games because they don't, they don't win. They don't get, they don't rebound. Well, they haven't had anybody to answer Joel Embiid. At least you have a body you can throw, another body you can throw at him, in addition to Lamarcus Aldridge and Nick Claxton, you kept. And on top of that, you get Seth Curry, more perimeter shooting. Now you have a lineup where you can spread the floor for Ben and let him just operate and get to the middle of the floor. This team is going to be dangerous. It's a better fit, honestly, Ben Simmons. It's a better fit. And now you have the only guy in the NBA who can guard Giannis. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got the only guy in the NBA who can guard Giannis. Ben can guard Giannis and, give, and annoy him. You have that guy now. It's him and Bam. Only two guys in the NBA can guard Giannis. Ben Simmons, Bam Adebayo. The Nets have one of those guys. Like, it's a win for the Nets completely. And it, and again, your Harden is the kind of guy who wants to pat, 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 top of the key. And his bigs, you look at the history of his bigs. Capella, right? Capella, that's who he was dominating with forever. Rim-running guys. See ball, get ball, run up the floor, catch lobs. Those are his kind of archetypes for bigs. Joel doesn't fit that. That Joel needs the ball in the post, bro. What are you doing when Joel, when Joel gets the ball in the, ball in the post? Are you playing off the ball? Because you sure as hell didn't look good doing that in Brooklyn, James. That's not what he's going to do, bro. I mean, like, this thing's not going to work. James will be on the move before Ben Simmons is. I'll tell you that right now. This thing is not going to work in Philly long term. And you, and you, could, th- you could think I'm just being, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a burnt Nets fan wishing the worst. I'm being real. I'm being real with you guys. Like that is Joel Embiid's team. It is not his team. He's coming into a situation that's not his own. You tell me. You tell me a guy that ego isn't gonna work out. Please. I want to know from you, Miles, what you think the ceiling is for Philly with this team. But before we do that, I just want to touch on that Greg real quick. I don't know. That is not Embiid's team. In this regard, Morby welcomes some games. It's true. I feel he'll move earth and heaven to keep him in Philly over making him be happy. Because as you guys mentioned, it doesn't fit. It doesn't work with that system of having a James Harden who needs 14, 15 dribbles. And what is it be supposed to do? Y'all remember last year and the year before that where he was yelling at Brett Brown and the coaching dad like, yo, I'm tired of shooting threes. Get me to rock in the post. I don't want to just be standing at the top of the key watching. What's going to happen with James Harden here? How, how do you keep this MVP season going? I don't think Embiid gets the MVP now because of Harden. It's what, going to be hard. You're telling me Harden's going to go there, and of course his hamstring is going to be better, but you're going to tell me he's now going to change his complete style of basketball and this is going to be Kobe 
in Shaq. Kick it down to the post. I'll let you dominate the first three and a half quarters. I told her at the end of the fourth quarter. You tell me it's going to be that. I, I can't see it. I'm sorry. I can't see Harden it. Harden doesn't take mid-range jump shots, bro. He takes either threes or twos at the basket. That literally means that Joel's in your way. Unless you're doing all pick and roll or all pick and pop. I don't think, yo, and beat has thrived being in the post, killing in the post with shooters around him all season. That's their offense. And who all, you know who else is a loser in this? Tyrese Maxey. The ball's out of your hands, bro. Like you're playing off ball now. So this this research, this amazing season you're having, this this season where you're putting guys on notice, that's stunted. Your growth is stunted. They were probably better off trading dude in this deal. You know, it, it, they didn't want to go off of Tyrese Maxey, but that probably would have been best for at least for Tyrese Maxey. Right. And for them, I know it's just an asset they have, but is Tyrese Maxey a knockdown three-point shooter just standing still, just like you could put him in the corner? Because that's what he's gonna be doing a lot of, by the way. I mean, and maybe when James is on the floor, you're gonna have him run your offense. Fine, that's great. But he's better than that. I think we all know Tyrese Maxey's better than that. He has all-star type potential. That's just how good he is. So again, like there are a lot of losers on Philly's side with this deal. And also James is yo, James comes into camp out of shape. He, the last few years he's been doing that you're going to pay him he opted into his 47 million dollar um, deal he opted in right which just proves how much he hated brooklyn by the way my god so he opts into it and you're banking on the fact this guy's going to be a good soldier the entire time he's there because maury's there yo this ain't maury's ship if more like you said if more want to move if heaven and earth to make james happy at ruben adam ruben and them dudes they're gonna they're gonna be like nah joel's the heart heartbeat of the city they will turn on Harden before they turn on Embiid. The city will. And you know how those fans get. Those fans are na- they're nasty. They're animals out in, Phil- in Philadelphia. You guys are some animals. The Philadelphia Evangelist, I don't care who hears this. They're all some animals. So they'll turn on them real fast. Like, they'll turn on Harden before Embiid. So there's just no guarantee this marriage works. I feel way better about Ben Simmons being in a natural position where he's playing. He's the third best player on this team. There's not much scoring responsibility in your shoulders. And you're going to be surrounded with shooters, man. Like, come out here, rock out. Get assist my man. Get my man KD the ball. Take the take the, take the toughest defensive um, assignment every night. Improve my defense in addition with KD and let's rock out. Let's just have to compete not just this year for this move, but also the next three or four years. That's just the way this thing works. Miles, what's the ceiling for these Philadelphia 76ers? They they got Harden. We obviously talked about the Mets and hey, they're back in that prominent conversation of we talking about possibly, possibly a trip to the final. The next five years, probably, like if this, if they can get into a rhythm and everybody stays healthy, this is a pretty loaded team. What about for Philly? You already said Philly didn't win the trade. So where does Philly go for me? Like, I mean, I still think they're one of the top five teams in the NBA now with James Harden on this team. And I feel like the ceiling, conference chip, and if they can get a couple more pieces together, you know. The buyout market happens every year and you get decent players off of that too. So we still got to wait and see on that aspect. But I think if not this year, they can make a run at a chip soon. So really the teams they have to get by, Miami, Brooklyn, and the Bucks, because the Bucks did make a couple moves today. But I don't know. I think... For right now, conference finals should be seen as a success, especially if you're bringing a guy in midseason to try to make this thing work. So, 
speaking of the Bucks, Bucks in a 14 trade, you got the Kings, you got DiVincenzo from the Bucks. They got Josh Jackson, Trey Lyles. The Pistons got Marvin Bagley. The Clippers got Rodney Hood, Simi Ojale, and the Bucks got Sergi Baca, two second round picks. Where do we see this for this trade? I mean, Sergi Baca hasn't been himself really after having a surgery. They already have their body quarters. They're obviously now relying heavily on uh, Grayson Allen to step up and how do you see this, this going? Because when it happened, this was before, this was right before we had the trade with the Nets and the Sixers, which as you just mentioned, Nets, Sixers, Miami, and Bucks are the top teams right now for to get out the East. The Bucks it's, it's a trade, it's around, it's a it's an around the margins move for the Bucks. You know, like it makes them better. Um, but it's not a move that tips the scales in their favor. If you're looking at it from a Bucks perspective, and I think that's really what we're talking about here. If we're talking about this trade is really about the Bucks, right? Um, I, I would say that's that's the kind of deal we're talking about. It's an around the margins move. Does it make them the favorite in the East? No. Um, does it make them better than Brooklyn? I mean, right now, I think everybody's better than Brooklyn. But if you're talking about healthy, uh, then no, I, I don't. I don't necessarily think that. I think that the team that improved the most over this trade deadline would. Uh, and maybe this is a question you might have asked, you might be asking, playing to ask and tone. So I don't want to ruin this for you. But if you're going to ask me who improved the most this trade deadline, which team is the Nets? I think Nets got the got better than anybody else did at this trade deadline, adding Ben Simmons to that team. I, I don't, I don't really know if it's really debatable, honestly. Um, every other team made moves to kind of around the edges out on their team. The Suns added Aaron Holiday. That's a nice move, sneaky move. No one's on talk about. Nice move. Um, that's a great point guard to be bringing off your bench and it just makes them more complete. But again, that's an around the edges move. That's not a move that is a change to your core and not a move that's going to change the way you play as a team um, or, or elevate your level of play overall, right? To a point where like, oh my God, let's stop the presses. Like that, that move was a Nets move. Um, but I think Surge helps them. Surge has some rim protection. You guys mentioned before Brooke Lopez hasn't been playing. So it adds some rim protection, although I don't know if Brooke is necessarily known for blocking a million shots, but uh, he'll get rebounds and that's good too. He'll knock down threes. He's going to spread the floor um, for Giannis when he's on the floor as well as provide rim protection on the back end playing defense. So it's a, it's a nice move for them. It's nice. It's cute. It's cute. Playboy doing you know, cute, cute move. What do you think about Marvin Bagley going to Detroit with Kate Cunningham, fresh start? You know, they've been button heads for years in uh, Sacramento. And I think it was the ESPN Twitter account, MP account, that got, got it completely wrong, that draft class. And they had Martin Bagley, like, saying he was the future, arms out like this, and possible Hall of Famer and all this talk. And he has not panned out to that. Do you think we can see a, a more productive Bagley over in uh, Detroit? I mean, I'd hope so, because there's more of a, a path to playing time here. And I think that as Sacramento Kings, it, it ran its course. Like, clearly, they didn't want him. He didn't want to be there. They kept benching him for long stretches at a time. So something had to be done. They were willing to just trade him for cash if it came down to it. So I think 
for the Pistons, for you to get a young piece, take a chance. And if he pans out, if he works well with Cade, and this is what it's about. You're trying to get young guys who can play with Cade and build around your, your number one pick from this year. So he's a, a big man who can stretch the floor a little bit and, and run the floor. So I think it's a, it's a good gamble to take, especially this late in the season, not really playing for much besides seeing what young pieces are here to stay and what pieces, you know, can go overseas. Way over. I mean, that's what it is at this point. I don't know. I don't think many of these Pistons players are going to be in the NBA. They're not really an NBA team at this point, but I hope Bagley gets his act together. I thought he was nice coming out of Duke, but. Well, we know Duke don't be putting out the best NBA players. <laughs> if, there's, if there's any place where he can revive his career, it's, it's the Pistons. The cupboard is bare there, so. If it's gonna if it's gonna happen for him, it's gonna happen for him in in playing alongside Cade and getting in that pick and roll with Cade and pick and pop. I think that's the best situation for him. So it's a win for him in his camp. You're gonna earn some money, earn it there, earn it over the next the course of the next 25 games. They kept, I think they kept Jeremy Grant. I don't think he moved. Yeah. So that's not ideal for him, my man Bagley. But um, regardless, I think there's a lot, there's enough playing time to go around there for him and He'll get, an, he'll get an expanded role, certainly more than he was playing in Sacramento. So yeah, he has a chance. He has a chance to, to, show, to prove people wrong. I thought he was talented coming out of school. I thought he had, like Mike Miles said, and I think the tools are still there. It's just a matter of, yo, mentally, where are you at? Because you don't play much in the location. We know how basketball is. It's, mental, it's a mental game. When, you're, when your mental's not right, your game's not going to be right. So hopefully he can shake that and, and be the guy I thought he could be coming out of Duke. Mavs, Wizards, make a trade. You got Porzingis, future second round pick, goes to Washington, and the Mavs get Spencer Dinwiddie and Davis Bertans. Chris Stops has been in the conversation of trade talks for the last two seasons. Mark Cuban swore to goodness that he wasn't getting traded. And Mark Porzingis is having a new jersey on. He's being in Washington, D.C. What's y'all takeaways from, from this trade? I think I think this is this is a, a move for Washington to try to get Bradley Bill to stay. And it's all talks right now talking about that he's gonna re-up to get that like 274 million. So this is this is trying to get him a bigger piece. Cause I don't I, think Bill I don't know. I feel like it was just a salary dump. Like they were done. They were over having Porzingis in and out of the lineup constantly. Like since he's been there, and that's what the Knicks realized and they thankfully got rid of him the guy just can't stay healthy for a full season like I don't know I guess it's him being 7-3 and sometimes he can play a little erratic at times he can't stay healthy but like Luca and him never really you know got on the same page and I feel like Porzingis still sees himself as like one of those guys in the league somebody that you can build around but I mean clearly they're building around Luca and I think there was a little bit of a disconnect. So instead of continuing on this path where you have this guy in and out and besides you have guys there already and then Bertans, you bring him back. He can do what Porzingis does. He's Porzingis light. I'm not, I'm not saying that he's on the same level, but for what you're paying Porzingis, 
and what he's producing, I can get that elsewhere. And then you bring in Dinwiddie, who, I mean, with free agency coming up this year, I think they're not going to be able to pay Jalen Brunson. So this is another guy you bring in to kind of, you know, ease that loss. Because Jalen Brunson is really good for that team. But I think other teams are going to take a chance on throwing a bag at him, getting him to come to their team. And, I mean, instead of losing a guy for nothing, now you got his replacement already. So now we get to see what Luca and Dinwiddie can do together, and and we'll, we'll move forward. Yeah, I think it was a salary dump for, for them, but I think for Washington, I think this was a little nice piece to add because I don't see Bill leaving. I think uh, Tim Tim Legler said it. He said, Porzingis is a call because we rarely see it. I, I Yeah, the first thing I thought about when I saw this trade was uh, Brunson. Like I just thought about Brunson. I thought, hey, man, like he's going to be a free agent. I wonder what they'll do with all these guards. They kind of have a jam back there with adding Dinwiddie. But it clearly was a salary dump. Yes, that you know that's apparent and um, to the to the naked eye. But also, yo, I don't know about this from the Wizards' standpoint. The fact that they've been so inept over the last couple of years since he's been there, since John Wall's left, really hasn't made John hasn't made Brad Beal get to a point where he's like, yo, I want to leave. Like the fact that he's not at that point mentally now just tells me, yo, it's about the money, and he's cool taking his damn near three hundred million dollars and coasting off and being good winning is not the most important thing it is primarily about this bread he could prove me wrong and ask for a trade tomorrow but if you ask me right now it is kind of like he's really content in this situation he's going to sign that contract and get the bread and maybe he asks for a trade afterwards maybe that's what he does maybe that's the 3d the 3d chess he's playing and i'm just playing checkers but uh, if i if if i had to assume i think that brad brad's about his bread and he's trying to lock in his financial future more than anything else and the winning is really secondary to him because it, look, anybody else would th- anybody else who wants to win in this situation that he's in would have been requested a trade, and he has not done that. He hasn't even there's no there's no rumors about it. There's no rumors like not even from his camp. Just nothing. There's no there's no real solid rumors. That guy is gonna stay in Washington. That's what it looks like. It looks like Washington luck into a guy who's wants his bread, and they're like, cool, we'll keep him and. We're, we're not very good, but at least we get to keep our star. Like, you know, like, it's just ridiculous. He's rewarding mediocrity, but, you know. And other thing, too, you mentioned the point guard situation. I don't know if y'all heard, Goran Drogic got bought out, and it's a favor that he's going to Dallas. That, that's that's interesting. I, I think there are better uh, opportunities out there for Goran Drogic than that uh, to help teams. Uh, I think the Lakers really connection. going after him. It's not a better situation, but they got to consider it. What do you say? It's connection with um, it's Luca. Yeah, both Slovenian. Yeah, and again, you need the, what you need is I. I saw that, and I think I thought to myself, okay, cool. So Dallas needs another guard. That's what. That's the solution. Another guard. Like, what are we talking about, guys? Like, you're gonna go into playoffs and be a one and done or second round exit. Like, I, all these guards, it's just a backlog. It doesn't make any sense. Um, at all. I think Goran Dragic is needed in other places. I think there are locations for him. I think the Nets are, or the Lakers are two places he can go and make an impact and earn another contract that he plays well enough because Goran Dragic right now could start over Russell Westbrook in LA. That's how bad things are in LA. So that's what we're talking about. He has an opportunity to go get some bread. Don't do the dumb thing and play off emotion. You can go see him. You can go smoke hookah with Luca. Oh, smoke hookah with Luca. You can go smoke, smoke hookah with Luca later on. It don't got to happen now. It's okay. You guys link up in Slovenia after the season. 
You know, you know how Luca loves his hookah. I think, yeah, I think like you said, it's up to <laughs> it's up to him what he wanna do. If he wanna get more playing time and possibly help out a franchise with a bigger role, don't go play with Luca. But everybody got their own mindset. We just talked about with Bradley Bill. Is it all matters to what's your priorities? Right. Abs. Now when this trade happened. I was looking at it like, yo, the Cavs are going to be a team to reckon with. Then, of course, you know, James Harden got traded. So the Cavs is going to be a nice season, a nice story. But I don't see them being a top four team. They'll probably slip down to probably like a fifth seed unless Karis LeVert just has a crazy season for the rest of these last like 25, 26 games. But the Pacers got Ricky Rubio, who's injured. So that's probably just going to be a contract that just goes out the window. Once he's done, because after the season, he's a free agent. First round pick in 2022, 2022 second round pick, and a 2027 second round pick. The Cavs got Karis LeVert and a 2022 second round pick. What was your takeaways from this trade? What you graded? Who's the winners? Who the losers? I think this just seals Colin Sexton is no longer a Cav. That's the main thing I took away from it. Yeah, I mean, I think you're trying to maximize like Darius Garland and putting pieces around him that work best. And I think this, you know, Colin Sexton and him are both point guards. It's not ever going to work. Sexton, he likes to put the ball in the basket. And I think they've clearly played a lot better with just Darius Garland as the point guard. So now you bring in Karis LeVert, who he's a special talent. And at the two, now you have DG, you got Levert, you already got Evan Mobley and all these big men. So clearly they're building something special over there. So you take a chance. Hopefully Levert is there to stay and you build this thing the right way. Because Cleveland, ever since LeBron left, they, I mean, it's been rough, but this year is starting to look up. They're, they're looking a lot better than than I thought they'd be. So this is a good trade. Greg, do you start Karis or you have him come off the bench like they had him on the first? Got start him. Yeah. Got start him. Karis versus starter in this league. Yeah, he's special. He's special talent. I, I know all too well uh, having him in Brooklyn for so long. He's a he's a special kind of player. He can there's nothing he can't do offensively. He can hit threes, he can get to the middle of the floor, create, he can he's a great playmaker, underrated passer actually. Um hit the mid-range jump shot. He scores at all three levels, and he's a really unorthodox finisher at, the basket, finisher at the basket, which actually helps him. He's an elite finisher at the basket. He's got a bunch of different types of finishes. So, And then on top of that, defensively, he competes. So he's going to bring that on that side of the ball, too. And he has a, a natural chemistry with Jared Allen, throwing him all those lobs in Brooklyn for all those years. So it actually helps you to start him. And he's a nice fit, naturally, next to Darius Garland. He just is. Um, he's not a selfish player at all. It, it'll work. you got some another scoring punch in the lineup. Eventually, they'll end up starting him. I don't see how that doesn't work itself out. Um, and honestly, I think they just brought him off the bench because he's just getting acclimated to the new setting, which is fine. Um, I think I don't think that lasts. You're probably going to see him starting. So um, it's a good move for them. It makes them a serious team. They're a team that can go to the Eastern Conference Finals. I, they can really – they can bounce some teams. You catch them on the right day. Uh, and, and any team in the league has to be careful with them. Like, that's how good they are. They're just – they're legitimately very good. And they're not just good now. They're set up for the future, and they're going to get assets back for Con Sexton. So they're set up for the future, 
um, really, really nicely with that with that move. The Cavs are for real. They're for real. What y'all think about? We ain't mentioned this, but I just I just thought about it. What y'all think about Charlotte getting Montrez? Which is the Wizards got rid of Montrez. They sent him to Charlotte. Mm, I don't know. I didn't really get it. They need another star. They, they don't need I mean, that's a, that's an around the edges move. It's a cute move. I understand why they did it because they they need help on the glass and they've needed help with their big man situation. I, I get that. They've actually struggled there a little bit. Plumlee is nice, but outside of that, if you think about who they start every night, who else is getting rebounds on that team? Like for real, like who else is getting on the glass, getting those nitty gritty rebounds, offensive rebound? No one. Trez plays the way he looks. He's gonna play hard. He's he, he from the street. You're gonna play like he's gonna play. He's gonna play like you don't know where you don't know where it's coming next. So that that's how Trez come out here and play. So it, it makes sense on that regard. It's a, it's around the it's an around the edges move. They get your you get your you get your junkyard dog. You know, but um, I don't I don't know how it affects this team long term. I mean, like they're again their biggest issue for me after watching them play the Bulls last night. They don't have a star to help pair up with Melo and help him get buckets. It's it's not Rozier. Rozier is cute. It's not Rozier, guys. It's it's, it's got to be you got to get him someone else to play with. That's who? Not Hayward either. Oh, it's not Hayward. I mean, Hayward helps for sure. He makes them more potent and they're a better offensive team. But it's not that you you do need a superstar to play alongside your other star, especially when Melo is the way he is. Melo's a great passer. Melo does a lot of things really well. He's not your guy you want shooting in in a volume type of way. He can do that. Great, he'll get 30 points. He's gonna have nice regals, crazy, but you need him playing alongside someone who's a really consistent offensive player. They don't have that. And that's that's what they need. So this is a cute move. Another cute one. Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Hill, Tristan Thompson to the Pacers, the bonus, Jeremy Lamb, Justin Holiday, 2027 round, second round pick to the Kings. And Justin Holiday might not be able to play anyway because he is not vaccinated. And we know what the vibes is in California. So that might be a buyout. They already said Tristan Thompson's situation is going to be a buyout because he want to play for a winner. How do y'all see this trade going out? The Pacers, they got a whole guard log jam over there too, which I'm sure that probably make some changes. But Halliburton, Buddy Hill, Indiana Pacers. I like it. I think the Halliburton trade was good. I mean, the Pacers are taking a chance. They had all these these really good players that you can, you know, take advantage of and get pieces back for. And clearly they're not competing right now. So like some teams in this league, you got to blow it up at some point. So now you get Tyrese Halliburton back. I mean, it it doesn't hurt as much to give up Sabonis because, I mean, during his time there, you're probably not going to be competing for a chip. So why not reset things, get some picks back, get some young players back and, and build another young core. And from the Kings perspective, they haven't had a, a power forward over there really in, in a, a long time. That's been since able to do. Yeah. Since C web. So they've had all these guards and you knew at some point, one of them was going to get traded for somebody. So now you get Sabonis who he's really a special talent. Like he's, he's really good in this league. And now we get to see, I mean, it looks like they're trying to compete for that play-in spot. And I think he should help them get to that point. I don't know if that's the best 
course of action here, but I mean, the Kings, they got to win. They're not going to attract free agents just off the strength of, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if they have any strength attracting anybody at this point. So they got to start winning and they're kind of in the same position as the Pelicans. Like you got to win. Otherwise your young talent is going to want to sign elsewhere. So. Greg, I know you big on Halliburton. Did the Kings drop the ball on this getting rid of Halliburton? So, so, so. Yeah. Yeah. I think simply put, I, I couldn't believe when I saw this, go, saw this go through. I didn't think that Halliburton was going to be the guy on the move. And all the rumors you heard, De'Aaron Fox is the guy on the move. Right. And I, and, I understand they. I understand why someone might choose De'Aaron Fox over Halliburton, the proven, more proven commodity, been in the league for a longer time, has just just has more tape, does more tape in the NBA, and and he's super talented. He's great. I love De'Aaron Fox. I think he's a great player. I, I I love his game. I love his talent. I love what he can be. But Halliburton makes them better in a way that I don't know if Fox can. I, you think about yo his ability to shoot. He shoots a damn near a forty percent three point shooter with that shot, with that Tyrese Halliburton, with that shot, that little form you see, he's hitting almost forty percent of his threes. And then on top of that, he he gets everybody involved in the way that that is just different than De'Aaron Fox. I think his ability to pass and his feel for the game is what was his biggest strength coming out of Iowa State. I didn't see it coming in terms of his ability to score. That was what made him elite, in my opinion. When he had when he added all that and this game rounded out. It's it's special. And he's a guy who doesn't take bad shots either. Like he does, he's a guy who impacts winning more, in my opinion, than De'Aaron Fox. Tyrese Halliburton impacts winning way more than De'Aaron Fox, in my opinion, because of the way he plays. Not gonna get bad shots. He's always gonna get the best shot on the floor. He has he's a three-level scorer, similar to similar to Fox. Fox is a great offensive player. But I think with his ability to pass, he's not gonna turn the ball over. He he that's the role he played at Iowa State. That's where he's played his entire life. The guy sees the game three steps ahead of the defense. He's special in that way. And then you add, okay, I'm knocking on that three ball 40%. I've, I've got everything in my bag. I've got everything in my bag. He's special. And defensively, he's going to compete. I know, and, and you would have a better defensive backcourt, arguably, with um, Therese Halliburton and also um Mitchell. Huh? Oh, yeah, now, obviously, the Pacers now, yeah, they're in a great position. They've got the point guard for the next 15 years as long as, you know, he he decides yeah. that he's, you know, as long as Tyrese decides that, you know, going to Olive Garden for dinner every night's okay in Indiana, then you've got your point guard for the next 15 years. But, you know, like, big picture, the Kings, what are y'all doing, man? Like, so bonus was available if you traded the Aaron Fox. There were trades out there. Aaron Fox is a hell of a basketball player, but if you made that decision, I just wouldn't have done it the way they did it. And honestly... I think I might have a leg to stand on in this in this whole debate if you're going Greg versus the Kings front office because, I mean, the Kings have made a lot of mistakes it would draft with their, with their draft capital and how they've allocated their draft capital. I think that I may have a strong leg to stand on here. So I, I think Therese Halliburton's going to end up being the better player long-term than De'Aaron De Fox. But I love De'Aaron Fox, and he's a great player, and I, I hope it works out for both teams. I, I know that the Kings are in a good spot with Sabonis. He's special. Um, but Therese Halliburton letting him walk, that is – Look, it's not just me. The rest of the NBA was shocked too. Okay, everybody in the in NBA circles was shocked. Um, Woj said it, so everyone thinks as highly of, of Therese as I do. I think he's a, a future perennial All Star, cornerstone type player. I feel like it also tells you how much they like Davion Mitchell because yeah. they just drafted him and he hasn't really shown 
like everything because he's playing behind De'Aaron Fox, playing behind Tyrese. But like everybody remembers that run from Baylor last year. Mm-hmm. Like he's special. So you don't take that risk unless you know you have something in place of Tyrese. And I think Davion Mitchell, now he's going to get a chance to start. He's going to get a chance to make plays. And I mean, he's a very good defensive guard as well. So this helps them pretty well. And it eases that that loss of Tyrese because now you're getting back to Montes. I like that guy, man. Really good player. Really good player. This trade, we saw, we didn't see eye to eye on this one. Pelicans, Trailblazers. <laughs> Pelicans got CJ McCollum, Larry Nance, Tony Snell. The Blazers got Josh Hart, Tomas Sadaransky, Nikhil Alexander Walker, and DD Luzada. I was not moved by this trade at all. This is what we just mentioned with the Kings. This is what, to be a playing team, New Orleans? This is to be a playing team, essentially? No knock on CJ McCollum. Very good talent. Very good player. Scorer at all three levels. He's going to hit throughout the year. He's going to give you 10, 15 big shots. Okay, cool. Good. Great. Zion still somewhere in Oregon. They say he's working out, training. Cool. Great. My biggest thing, even with Zion coming back, what's the ceilings for this, for this team? You have a talent like Zion. What are we talking about? Even with Zion back with this roster, AC, 7C, 6C, even when Zion was there, they was not winning. With Zion averaging 70% from the field, missing two shots a game, getting 18 free throw attempts, 14 boards, running through his sneakers, they still weren't winning. I, I think, yeah, I, I mean, I'm going to go here. I, I think that um, CJ, I've seen CJ win a playoff series before. I, I've seen him do it. He's a special talent. I, I love CJ. CJ's one of my favorite players in the NBA, for real. Um, one the, probably one of the most skilled guys in the NBA by a long shot. He's in like the top two percent. You add him with Bi, who's uh, grown into his own. Bi is is also special. We know what Zion is when he's healthy. We know what that dude's gonna be when he's healthy. He's gonna give you 27, 10, and and four assists, five assists on sixty plus percent shooting around the basket. Now that's that's all, look. His health is a question mark. If anyone's skeptical about that, I understand. But Valanciunas is a great center too. I love Valanciunas. I love him. Look, if we're talking, I know what they, I know what Tone's point is. Like you're doing all this for what? A quick exit? What's the point? What's the point of selling out all these assets for a quick exit? Maybe you keep those draft picks and you draft a generational player in the future, something like that. Tone's absolutely right. But here's what I here's where I think Miles and I were at. I don't know, Miles. You'll, you'll say you'll, you'll say your piece in a minute. It's New Orleans. They don't have expectations. New Orleans, a first-round playoff exit is a big deal for New Orleans, man. Like, they don't care about them down there. They care about the, the Saints and Gumbo more than they care about the Pelicans down there. It, nothing, nothing else matters more. Like, you know, New, uh, Mardi Gras matters more than the Pelicans uh, down there. So 
I, I think this move is, is a really exciting move, not just for the, it's for the fan base, but also, look, you have to take this into account, too. They have to impress Zion. Zion, for as much as we can talk about his weight, we have jokes for that dude right now. He's going to have a saying where he goes next, and he's going to have a market. He, there's going to be options for him to go out there. The, the teams are going to want him, and I think he could be the next star on the move. Like, you see how, you know, Ben Simmons got moved or James Harden got moved. Zion could be the next guy in line because he wasn't happy with it. And there were reports about it beforehand. And he's put enough good things on tape in the NBA to have a serious market of contenders out there who want him. So you have to make moves to show him and his family and his representation. We're serious about winning. This is a move that does that. CJ McCollum coming in play. That's a guy that people want to play with. CJ McCollum is respected out here. He's stamped. He's a bucket. So I get it. This may just be delaying the inevitable. Antonio, you're totally, you're, you're right, bro. You're right. Like, you know, cause you might have a bunch of first round exits or second round exits, but at least you're competitive. At least you're competitive and you still have assets to you can move. And because you got a bunch of stuff in AD trade, there might be another move you could make that puts you over the top and makes you an Eastern Conference Finals team. Oh, excuse me, Western Conference Final team. And then you have an opportunity to sell that design and its representation, right? Okay, cool. Look at this. We're, we're right there. You know, like, but it's New Orleans, man. Like, who cares about New Orleans? Like, ever, like it, you, you got it. Like, you got, you had to try to make this move to get some relevancy in the league. So you have Zion and no one cared about you, man. That's crazy. That's hard to do. That's hard to do. To have Zion and no one really cares, like, you need to make this move. I, I don't fault their front, off, front ownership group at all for doing this, and I think it's smart. I think it's a smart move. Long term, it makes them mad fun to watch. Like, you got to watch them play. B.I. is special, and you guys see it in that mix, and, and Valanciunas is a real good center that people don't talk about. They're special moving forward. I mean, I agree. I agree with what you're saying. And the main point of this trade is to, you know, make Zion happy. You're trying to keep your star player here. Like he made an all-star team last year. Hasn't played all this year, but when he comes back, I mean, you kind of know what he's going to do. Like Greg said, he's going to put up his points, grab his boards, and he can play make a little bit too. But like he's, he's eligible to sign that rookie max deal coming up this off season. So, right. and everybody knows that he's a little hesitant to do that here in New Orleans. Cause I mean, if AD left and couldn't get anything out of this team, why would any young player want to do that here? So this is a move you're making to try to make him happy, make them competitive. And all they had to give up with Josh Hart, who he was on a one-year deal and a couple picks like to get McCollum. Yeah, that's not that much. So you take that risk, you take that chance. And all these first round picks don't matter that much. It was a 2022. That rookie shouldn't be playing that much. They're trying to compete. They're not going to be picking that high, clearly, because I mean, if you look at it, they're trying to compete. So that's going to be a mid to late mid first round pick. Do you want that guy doing too much for this team? I don't know. And I mean, hopefully Zion comes back healthy. They could make a, a little first-round appearance. Maybe if he, he shed that 40, 50 pounds with Nutrisystem, he can help them get to the second round. So I'm hoping. I'm hoping that my guy is, is working. I know C.J. McCollum's the real deal. Brandon Ingram, he's, he's the real deal, too. He could have honestly made the All-Star team this year. But mm-hmm. – There's a lot of debate there, but I mean, you've got two all-star players on your team. So now you got to make those guys happy and 
I mean, nobody wants to be someone. They don't want to be anywhere if you're not competing. If you're, if BI is putting up 35 points and you're losing by 12 every night, I mean, Zion's watching these games. He's not, you know, clueless. He sees what's going on while he's not playing. So I think, I think Zion leaving regardless. I don't think this push is needed. And that's no disrespect to CJ McCollum. CJ McCollum is certified. He got the blue check. He's a bucket, great player. But in regards of if I'm making the assumption that Zion is trying to be in a conversation with the greats and championships and competing for that. If that's the case, I mean, this year, hey, playing team, first round, if he got a chance to leave next season, and you're talking about New York is on the table, and we already know the rumors he want to be in a bigger market, I think he's out regardless. That's my, that's my view on it. I think it's just a matter of he's going to be out regardless, I think. I don't think this move pushes the needle to make Zion be at home right now training on neutral system, as Miles said, and he's sitting there eating his nutricism, his meal right now, talking about some yo, CJ, ooh, I really want to stay now. But Tom, you got to look at it from like the GM of the Pelicans perspective. Like, mm-hmm. what am I, do- we just drafted this guy number one three years ago. And for him to walk on, a, on his rookie deal, that who would ever want to come here? So they got to do what they can. They got to do what they can to make him happy. It. it delays it. It delays yeah, him leaving. It he's going to sign the rookie max. Yeah. They're going to offer it to him. And he's like, oh, you guys are offering me a rookie, rookie max. And I've only played in 25% of my games. And yeah. I'm 350 pounds. I've been eating Big Macs. Y'all offer me a rookie, a, a rookie max extension? Hell yeah, I'm going to sign that. Hell yeah, I'm going to sign that. And then, and then I'm going to see where we go. I'm still in control here. It's my ship. And eventually, if I want to leave, I'll leave. But that that's the type, yo, that team, if they're healthy, they can win a couple series. They can surprise teams. What's so the West is bare. Who's out there right now? Man, like who who really? Why can't they win a couple series? They can't be Luca in, in a playoff series. They can't be John Morant in a playoff series. Yeah, they can. See, see, they can get you up out of here. See, they can get you up out of here. Come on, the Memphis Grizzlies right now. Yes. They, the, the Pelicans, if healthy, can get can bounce those dudes, bro. There's no team that yo, all right. The Grizzlies are a cute story. Like, listen, they're a good team, but where's your second superstar at? Who are you giving the ball to if it's not John Morant and crunch time doesn't get you a bucket? And don't tell me Jaron Jackson Jr. I'll just slap you. It's not true. <laughs> it's just not true. Like, there are these teams, yo, these teams aren't that good, bro. Like, in the West is bare. This is deeper than the Pelicans. And the Pelicans are more and the Pelicans are more top heavy. And, and they've got better players in the front line. The Pelicans have two dudes in the crunch time. Yo, give B out a ball. Take me home. Give CJ McCollum the ball. Take me home. And they got Zion, bro. If Zion ever come back, if Zion come back, bro. Yo, that team can get teams up out of here. They can make some noise. They can win a couple series, bro. Who in the West is who in the I, West is scary? But them size the Suns. I think these matchups is is key for them. If they are playing, yeah. if they are playing team. They not. Like you see, I know you're talking about in the future. I'm looking at this season, for example. In the plan, they can bounce somebody. The Lakers draw New Orleans in the in the play in the plan. Lakers get might get bounced, bro. CJ, CJ, oh, not, CJ not messing around. I, I believe that because yeah, I mentioned Bron, Bron, you can't get bounced in the plan. No, all seriousness, Bron, like you gotta stop playing. <laughs> I, believe that, I believe that in the sense of yeah, I mentioned they couldn't get nobody there with AD. 
it didn't it didn't matter. AD was the problem. AD's the problem here. So I see yeah, I can see Zion abusing him. Watching that that Bucks game, Giannis abused him. Yeah, abused him. So I yeah. I have no belief system in Anthony Davis anymore. Speaking of the Lakers, they made no moves. Knicks made no moves. Who's the losers in this whole trade that trade deadline? Which teams, which players are losers in this? I mean, the Lakers, I would say, are more losers than the Knicks because, I mean, not much could have been done to, you know, salvage the season. So, I mean, Lakers, you got LeBron in his prime. You got AD. You got to do something. You got to make it. I mean, when he's healthy, he's good. We got to admit, when AD's healthy, he's good. So you, you got to find 30 and 10 in five blocks or four blocks a game on the, on the street. I understand he doesn't do it against in big moments. And that's what the problem with him is. And I understand AD has a heart problem, but a, like not an actual heart problem. God bless him. But a heart problem, like a I am a dog problem. Like he needs a little trez in him. He needs to, he needs to implant some trez, take some trez, take, take some of trez DNA and stab uh, AD with that junk. And maybe you'll get, you get something crazy, but in all seriousness, yeah, like to Miles' point, I don't want to. I don't want to hijack the take. I just, I just agree. Like, you don't do anything with those two there. Like, you guys stand pat and do nothing. So, because Bron signed a, uh, uh, because okay, so because Bron signed an extension with you, and because his son's based in L.A. and he wants to be home, you're taking advantage of that. That's that's the move you want to play, Polinka. You want to be comfortable. You you think you're you you comfortable right now, bro? Like Bron won't just leave. Like, <laughs> what? Yo, Bron could leave. Why, why can't Bron leave? Why can't Bron go to Cleveland? Can't go, he, Cleveland, I'm home. Why, why can't he be on that type of time? He can't do that? Yeah, he can. Like, yo, he's playing with fire. That, that The whole thing could blow up in his face. And Plinka deserves to be fired. He, he's done a, a, done a bad job. I, I talked about this in the chat, okay? People are going to talk about LeBron and the Russell Westbrook thing and LeBron brought Russell Westbrook. Fine. If you want to be – people are so ridiculous. They only see things with the naked eye, man. Play, play chess for a second, not checkers. Let me walk you through this for a second, okay? The Lakers won the NBA championship in the bubble, 2020. They won because – in large part because they're on defense. They were blocking shots. They had the best tandem in the paint. They they, they did not allow teams to score in the paint. Great. So who was, who was there? JaVale? Let him walk for nothing. Dwight? Let him walk. And he, he spent a year in Philly for no reason. You could have kept Dwight. You let him walk. Okay, cool. Who do you replace him with? Marc Gasol. Slow, unathletic, can't protect the basket, can't play in pick and roll at all. Not a lob threat. Doesn't really help your team in any real way. Makes no sense. You bring in Damian Jones, middle of the season. Playing great for the Kings right now. Mm-hmm. The same kind of guy. See ball, get ball, catch lob, run the floor. Play defense, block shots. You had him. You had him for nothing. You had him on 10-day contracts. Let him walk. Now he's playing good in, in, in Sacramento. What sense? You had a trade lined up on the table for Taylor Horton Tucker. And you had uh, Taylor Horton Tucker on, on the table for Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry would have been perfect for this team. Perfect. He does all the little things. He's a winner. He knocks down threes. What do you do? You don't you don't sell high on Taylor Horton Tucker. You wait till this year when he's not playing nearly as well to not to get nothing for him because he's playing so badly. You didn't sell high Caruso wants a couple extra million dollars to come back. Nothing crazy. Don't bring him back. Look, you can blame LeBron if you want. I know it's popular to blame LeBron James. LeBron is the least of this team's problems. LeBron is the only reason why the Lakers are relevant right now. Okay. 
it, this is a Palinka problem. Palinka is a is a, is the cancer destroying this basketball team. Okay, he doesn't get credit for LeBron and Rich Paul bringing AD over. That's not him. That's LeBron. You want to thank thank somebody for winning a championship in LA? Thank LeBron James. He's your your coach. He's your GM. He's your he's your greatest player. He he's the guy. He's the guy. Okay, make him a mural right now. He's the reason why I got another chip in there. But this is crazy. This is this is a, this is insane. The Lakers are inept. They're inept as an organization, and LeBron should leave. Why stay? Why, why stay? I mean, I know you, if you're comfortable being at the crib, Brian, I get it, man. Get your, get your champion, your scoring championship, your scoring all-time record. I'm with it. I'm with it. Because Brian already stamped. He's hater-proof. He's hater-proof out here. But just come on. Like, it's disrespectful to a guy that great for Palenka to belittle him in this way and not make any moves. This is disrespectful. Like, come on. And then for, people, for, for him to take these, these bullets out in public, like, it's LeBron's fault. This team's this team sucks. No, it's not. It's Palenka. I just walked you through a series of events to, that led you to where we are right now. A couple of different decisions. The Lakers are a good basketball team contending with the Suns. You're not competing with the Suns? What are we talking about? Like, it's crazy to me. I don't know. Tell me if I'm wild or not. But I don't know. Uh, you know where I stand. Everybody been throwing that hate at Russ. And Russ has not lived up to expectations. Cool. But Rob Palenka, Frank Vogel was really going, going nicely unscathed in this. Yeah. Pointing in that direction. And I do think whatever team, and we are, it's already alluded to it, it's already rumors out there, whatever team will play Bronny and Bron, that's where he's going. Mm-hmm. So I think very much so. He will leave. And I think if, if that's the mindset too, he want to just play with his son so bad, typically for your son to be on a team like that, they're going to have to be a team that's probably, let's just say, if he stays on this trajectory, a, t- a lottery team, right? If we if we read through the tea leaves, LeBron getting that champion, LeBron getting another championship, he probably already accepted that's not happening. Let me go play with my son. I'm going to get the scoring title. Let me go play with my son. Set him up. Set him up to do better than I did. I think that's one of the things, too, in the tea leagues. LeBron, like, all right, it is what it is. Y'all some bums. Y'all don't want to play. AD focused on his unibrow. I don't know what's up with Russ. We got to pray for him mentally. Frank, these substitutions and these lineups is terrible. And then Rob Palenka upstairs. I, I got no words for you. LeBron getting the scoring title. And I'm going to play with my son. Yeah. I'm, I'm hater, as you just said, I'm hater proof. Y'all say what y'all want. I don't care no more. Y'all say what y'all want. That's where Brian is mentally talking about. I have to go drink wine. I'm going to go home. I'm tired. I'm going to go get this expensive wine. LeBron's smiling and all that stuff. And, and during the All Star thing, there was a time where LeBron would not be this lax about a team that he's on being this bad. But LeBron knows he's hater proof. He's, 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 he's got carte blanche. He's good. He's good. He's not worried about all this. But that does not mean that Plinky gets to take advantage of that and just screw this thing up the way he has. He screwed it up. He screwed it up. And the whole the GM uh, stereotype out there and the whole narrative out there about him, it's not fair because you don't get to call him the GM to, to hate on when things are going wrong, but then give him credit when things are going great. It, don't make, it doesn't make any sense. Like, there's an actual GM that makes decisions that's getting employed by this team to make choices, and he's doing a horrible job, and he's been doing a horrible job 
his entire time being there. Magic didn't just quit for no reason mid-season. That didn't just happen for no reason, bro. Like, he left for a reason. There's serious dysfunction within that Lakers organization, and they're going to have to deal with it when it's just AD there and Bron's not there. Bruh. That's it. That's going to be tough times, man. That's cool. Yeah, man. Like, they're in for tough times. All their first-round picks are gone. Why do you think they value that 2027 so bad? They know they're going to suck, and that 2027 could be Mikey Williams. <laughs> or it could be, I don't know, it could be someone great. It could be, I don't know, DJ Wagner or something. It could be DJ I don't know. Like, you know, it's crazy, man. It could be It could be Matt Sinsmere. It could be someone in the draft that can go get. You know, I don't know. What up, Mies? Come on, bro. Like, I don't know. They're, looking like they're trying to draft their next guy. It could be Reese. I don't know. <laughs> big, big move out here. Big move. Before we close out the show, Miles. So we 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 all are in agreement that the Lakers are losing this, right? But talk to me about your Knicks, man. Knicks don't make no moves. There's reports coming out. Yo, I'm not playing Tibbs. I'm not playing Cam Reddish. They got too many cooks in the kitchen. Everybody trying to be the GM, the owner. Everybody trying to make decisions. We just mentioned, hey, Rob Palenka is paid to make the decisions, but it seems like everybody can make decisions with the Knicks. Tibbs, Leon Rose, World Wide West. I mean, I don't know. Because I feel like the worst thing that could have happened to us was last season. Because everybody got caught up in the hype. We were the fourth seed. Pretty much overachieved because half those guys got bounced from whatever teams they were on before. And the worst thing they did was free agency came. They basically ran it back with the same guys, gave them their paydays. And then their big signing was Fournier, who, I mean, people know who he is. He's he's a shooter who can score sometimes. And then other times he goes cold. So, but they still gave him the bag. And they gave Randall the bag as well. And that, I think, had a domino effect because it went to his head. So now we've got a bunch of guys who don't have any chemistry. Like this, this starting lineup is one of – it might be the worst starting lineup in the NBA right now because most of our games we've gotten saved by the bench. Like It, it would be a lot different if Derrick Rose was back, that's for sure. Like we wouldn't be having all these problems. He'd be playing a lot more than – Kemba, for sure. Kemba would have been been gone by now. But, I mean, this team make, making no moves, that just shows that nobody wanted any of these veterans because these deals made no sense. Nerland's getting paid $10 million a year and has played like 20% of the games. Nobody's taking that contract. Alec Burks... Ever since Tibbs has put him in the starting lineup, his numbers have gone way down. So his value is in what he can do off the bench. And now it looks like he lost value. So I don't know. I'm just – it's disappointing that they didn't trade all these guys and, you know, go younger because they drafted well. I like Deuce. I like Grimes. But – Grimes is stunted by Fournier being there because I think Grimes should be starting over him. But 
you can't. You're paying a guy $18 million to be the shooter that we didn't have last year. And a late first-round rookie is outplaying you. That says something. So, I mean, it's bad times right now for the Knicks. And, I mean, we got our first-round pick next year. So, we got a really tough schedule coming up. So, I'm kind of hoping we lose a few more games and maybe Tibbs decides to start playing the young guys because, I don't know, you trade for Cam Reddish, a talented kid, top 10 pick in his draft, and you hardly play him. And you, you, you're not going to play him over Alec Burks, who's not exactly playing his best. I'd say Cam Reddish is more talented than Burks, but Tibbs, he's loyal to a fault. He's loyal to his guys. So I, <laughs> it, it sucks. It sucks to watch these games and know like everything that the fans say, because I'm not the only one who believes this. Like we should be going younger right now, but instead I'm watching Taj Gibson, Fournier, Alec Burks, and that's not what this team needs. They need some no. injection of some youth. And how you can't trade any of these young guys. Nobody wants these young guys because you don't play them. So, like, Obi Toppin drafted over Tyrese. You don't play him. You don't do anything to even build up his trade value. So, I, I don't get it. You want to keep them, you don't like them, you don't want to play them, but you think he's talented. Like there's so many different things. Like like you said, there's too many cooks in the kitchen. Like I feel like a couple guys like their guys and a couple guys don't like those guys. So there's button heads. Tibbs might not like Cam, but the front office like might like Cam. But they can't, you know, cut Tibbs off and make him play guys. That's not how Tibbs is is gone. He's he's going down with the ship. If I'm if going feels, down, nobody's <laughs> gonna force Tibbs to do anything. Can I keep it a buck though? Just just one thing that came to mind today. I think about the Knicks situation, and I know Knicks fans don't want to hear from me. I understand. Cool. Right, I don't want to talk about y'all either. I don't want to hear this. I don't want to hear, hear from you. Look, 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 look. Just tell me if I'm wilding, and you're gonna say I'm wilding, but the reality is it's, it's true. You'll come around. Yo, the best asset they have, the best young asset this team has to trade, no, no, to get anything in return. I don't want to hear this. It's your boy, no. Rohan Barrett, Rohan Barrett, whatever, Art, Rohan Barrett Jr. That's that. That's the best asset y'all have. It is to, to get anything in return, anything. man. What? So we're gonna trade him, and what are we left with? Just a bunch of vets and. Is the situation that great right now, Miles? Like, I don't. I don't Wait, hold on. So, look, look, here's the problem with the, the Knicks. Okay, if y'all went young and lost a bunch of games and we're in a lottery position, great, cool. That that might still happen. Let's hold out. But the only young guy on this team that people want, the only asset y'all really have, Evan Fournier is not an asset. Alex Bridges is not an asset. Nolan Zoel is not an asset. Okay? Um, what's his name? Uh, Randall? Randall's, Randall's really not an asset. At that money and with the, with the issues he's displayed in New York – what, what's the return? What's the return? If you can trade him, sure. What's the return? Are you getting loss. a great player? You're gonna have to take a loss on all of these guys. You're going to have to take a loss and double down that free agency was a dub this year. Like, you guys but, made mistakes. And they're trying to admit that they made mistakes by making all those guys available at the trade deadline. But it's too late. Like, people already see that it's not working. 
So why are they going to give you value for these guys? You're going to have but to you, yeah, throw you're in right. you're going to have to throw in picks to get these guys out. I'm and saying yes, you should be doing precisely, and that's the problem. The Knicks have put themselves in a corner with bad free agent decisions and also bad drafting, quite frankly. So now they don't have enough assets to make this team better. So the only way you can make this team better is by taking the one young asset you actually have and flipping them for something of actual consequence, whatever that may be. And you can the way you do that is you you fatten them up, right? You let them play. You let them play as many minutes as possible. Let them go. Hey, RJ, go get 40 again against the Lakers. RJ, go get 40 again against whoever's going to let you get 40 out there. And then as you continue to play better and better and better and build a build a resume for yourself, right? And you start to get a better rapport, right? You, you, you set them off. You set them off and you bring back assets to rebuild this thing. Because let me tell you something, bro. You cannot live in a world as a fan. Tyrese, we're not trading him like Halle. Halliburton. It's not the same thing. RJ's not that good. Yo, the, 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 what you need to do, what you need to do, yo, you cannot live in a world as a Knicks fan where RJ Barrett is your best player. It does not work. There is no simulation where it makes sense. There is no world God created where it makes sense. You can't move forward that way. You have to, bro, you have to move on from RJ Barrett at some point. You let him go crazy and then restart this thing, man. There's some nice young players coming up. It's some nice young players coming up in these next couple of drives, bro. What do we mean? Like, there's guys that are going to be better. Jabari Smith. There's guys out there, man. Try to flip them for a higher draft pick. Make an exchange. If some team's stupid enough to fall for it, that's what you want to do. That's what great GMs do. Fall if you, if I own the Knicks right now, I'd do it. I would do it. I would flip RJ for a higher pick in next year's lottery. Some team going to believe me. I'm going to make him a catfish. He gonna, I'm a Manti Taylor situation. That's what I'm going to do because y'all be believing this like, I'm telling you, bro, like, this is the best. R.J. Barrett cannot be your best asset. If you told me in the summer that R.J. Barrett was going to be your best player, I would have been like, oh, my God, you guys are screwed. And look at that. You guys are screwed. You guys are actually screwed in real life. Like, it's not good. So it's not getting better, guys. Like, let these young – let if you're not going to let all the young guys play, because Tibbs is not of the mindset of the rebuilds. That's it's not, not getting better guys. because of what's around him. It's not because of him. He's showing that but, he's a really talented player. I always admit that. I'm going to. I, I'm not. Dis, I'm not disagreeing. What I'm saying is, this is your one asset you have to get something to get something good back in return. You flip him. He's not untradeable. He's not untouchable. In what world is RJ Barrett untouchable? Why are we doing this? If you he trade, doesn't go that's right. Setting you back. That's sending you back six, seven years. Maybe you guys are already back. You guys are already losing the race. No. That's the problem. <laughs> so they'll it, trade. They'll trade these guys in the off season. Who can? What do you to mean? Where? Who? To to somebody's gonna take him. Who wants Evan Fournier for 18 million dollars a year? Who wants that? Somebody will take him. No, he no, they won't. Stop being delusional. No one wants Nerland no while. No one wants Nerland. Yo, you guys can't get rid of these guys. Yo, it's stuck. So what you do is you package it with your nice young shiny piece and you get something great, a top five pick, something great in return. And you you break it down and build it up again. The Knicks did this to themselves. You fell in love with a team that yo, it was a catfish last year. Was yo, it's COVID, bro. It's COVID. It's COVID regular season. There's no fans. Come on, bro. Yeah, bro. Two things. Well, three things. Sidebar: A Rod wins another MVP. Luca goes off of fifty-one tonight, and to end the show. I think the biggest loser in all of this that happened today, the absolute biggest loser is John Wall. John Wall will still be 
on the highlight tapes with Taylor Sports Group and Michael Beasley, Weedham ones, looking mm-hmm. good and not able to play anywhere. Houston is doing my man dirty. Free John Wall. If you stay ready, you don't got to get ready. Bench mob, we out. Peace. Peace.